Hey, welcome back to the Zelosophy Podcast. This is episode number 27. I hope you guys listened to episode 26. That was a good one with my dad and Skippy Piccarello, uh, a conservative and a liberal, and had a conversation about how they've remained best friends for over 50 years. It is possible, people, if we relate to each other based on the things we have in common as opposed to the things that are different. Anyhow, um, that's enough soapboxing about that. Today's episode is going to be a really cool one. We're going to talk to a childhood friend of mine, Tony Taverna, uh, who is someone that you would never expect the journey that he's been on. And uh, he's been going to South America and getting involved with ayahuasca and healing himself. And so we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about alternative medicines and how helpful they can be. And of course, they don't replace modern medicine. But as I talked about in the astrological episode with Reiki and mediums and all that other kind of stuff where you can gather information. This is the same kind of thing with ancient medicines that should be used in conjunction with modern medicine and modern treatment. And really, to me, that's the sweet spot is how do you bring back the stuff that was forgotten about? I mean, shamans have been doing ayahuasca treatments for thousands of years in the jungles of South America, and they've healed probably millions of people by now. So a very interesting conversation coming up. First, a couple of quick announcements. Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and friends. The pilot's on YouTube. We're now in post-production on uh, episode one. And hopefully, I was hoping it would be done by this week, but looking like next week we might be able to launch it. And we've got a GoFundMe page. So if you're interested in helping with that, go to GoFundMe and look up Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and friends. Upcoming appearances, Saturday, March 1st, I'm going to be at the National Golf Expo at Seaport World Trade Center. Boston with Hardy from 98.5, the Sports Hub. You know Hardy from the Zolak and Bertrand show and his Sports Hub Golf Club show. We're going to be talking Zelosophy on golf. He's a big fan, and uh, we'll be signing some books and having some fun. Nashville people, uh, on Saturday, March 28th, I'll be doing a public Zelosophy talk on harmony. And we're going to, because Nashville's a music town, we're going to talk about how musical harmony can teach us how to create societal harmony. So if we just play any notes that we want and we scream at each other with instruments, it sounds like crap and it's pretty annoying. That's pretty much what we do in today's society. But if we listen to other people, if we play together, if we uh, harmonize, then things get a little better. The music sounds better and maybe we create a better society for kids as uh, many of us want to do. So anyway, those are the upcoming announcements. And coming up next, we got Tony Taverna talking about ayahuasca and all kinds of other fun stuff. Maybe we can reintroduce some ancient natural healing into the world. Wouldn't that be fun? Hi, Tony. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, man. So it's been a long time since we've seen each other. Yeah, it's been like, a long time. Well, we ran into each other last right. year when my Maybe dad was happy. years ago. Yeah, since we've hung out, right? So you recently contacted me and told me you heard the podcast. Was it the uh, Tommy Dicker episode, maybe? Yes. And uh, you were interested in sharing your story. Right. Uh, But first, we should start with the the Tony that I knew and that we all knew for those other other Watertown Mass people listening. Um, You're quite a bit different than you were when we were kids, (laughs) as as many of us are. But in some ways, you're exactly the same. You're still a funny guy. Right. Still, a, you know, a good guy with a lot of energy. Uh, we always knew you as that as a kid, as this funny guy. You were looked at as, you know, 
this guy's a goofball. He's funny. He's a really good guy. In fact, I remember a time where we were teasing one of our friends, somebody who's still a good friend of mine today, and you pulled me aside and said, hey, you know what? You should stop doing that. That's not right. Really? Yeah. And I uh, don't remember that. And uh, you were right. <laughs> and so, I ever, you know, I always knew that underneath all of it, you were a good guy and a deeper guy wow. that you were letting on. Of course, I never knew that it would turn into the journey that you've been on and that right. you're actually an incredibly intelligent guy uh, and done a lot of research on natural medicine, including ayahuasca. So uh, that's my setup. Uh what do you want to talk about this? Where did your journey start with this? Uh, where where should we start? We've talked about a lot. I should say I usually don't do a lot of pre-interview stuff or right. research, but for this episode, we talked a bunch of times. I actually did some research. Um, there's a, a TV show now called uh, Kentucky Ayahuasca. It's on Vice. It's right. about a person in this country that's doing this ancient medicine treatment. Uh, I guess we should start with what is ayahuasca? Then we can back up into the story of how you got into it. So ayahuasca is a uh, master plant, and it is a um, Amazonian, basically the psychedelic tea. Right. Um, there's many master plants, but it is, I wouldn't say the master of the master plants, but a very profound um, master plant. So basically what it is, it's a, uh, it's a vine, mm-hmm. which is the ayahuasca vine, and then you have a leaf which is the chacuna leaf. The chacuna leaf is has the DMT in it. DMT is the um, the alkaloid that gives you the hallucinogenic experience, the deep cleansing, all that type of stuff. But without the ayahuasca to protect it, so basically, uh, most things in the world have DMT. Right. We naturally produce it in our we bodies. We naturally so produce right. it. So it, it, without these two things together, if you ingest the chacuna. The um, just enzy- a straight DMT. En- yes, the enzymes in the stomach wouldn't allow it into the bloodstream, but the ayahuasca comes in and coats it, Got so it. it works hand in hand. Got it. And it gives you the purgative effect um, to cleanse the body, and the DMT goes into the the con- subconscious um, to to heal the body on another yeah. emotional level. And DMT, I think there was a. I tried to find it last night. It's not there anymore. There used to be. Um, a documentary on Netflix called DMT, The God Molecule. Yeah, it's a spirit molecule. Yeah, And I, I had that on my Netflix list for years and yeah. never watched it and yeah. then tried to watch it, and now it's gone. So I have to find it again. But there's been a lot of talk, and I've heard some other podcasts, Rogan podcast, he's done some episodes where he talked to Mike Tyson and other people about doing DMT. Right. And everybody sort of reports that it does make you sort of feel like you're in contact with God. People report in when they're under the influence of that that they are transported to the center of the universe and they right. feel nothing but love and how connected everything is. Right. Yeah, see, see, a lot of people, they always ask me, well, is it bringing out your subconscious? You know, right. but really it's, it's a technology that um, allows you to see other sides of con- other consciousness. Right. And what I think what people don't realize, too, and I've talked a lot about this, I've written about it, we think about consciousness as our human brains, right. which are these monkey brain supercomputers that have run great apps. Sometimes right. they crash. But I think that our real intelligence comes from our what I would call our intuition, right. that we can connect to everything. We talked about this in two episodes ago about the Akashic Records that is a, a, a group of records that just float in space that contains all the information that the universe has ever had. And right. we can tap into this. 
And this is sort of one of the ways to tap into it. Yeah. The, the ayahuasca, these plant medicines, they have intelligence. Mm. And so, like I talked about before, everything has DMT in it. So when you're ingesting DMT, whether you smoke it or drink it, everything comes together. Everyone right. is in connection. Right. Which is the natural way and what mystics have been saying for thousands of years. Right. And we're start now science has proven it. Right. Because through quantum physics, science has proven that everything is 99.99999% energy. Right. So you and I are just balls of energy. Correct. Which means we are connected because energy we know connects with energy. Right. Right. So and uh, another thing that uh, I've heard is that there's people out there now who believe that the burning bush of Moses was mm. an acacia bush. And Correct. when you burn acacia, it gives off DMT. Right. So perhaps he did actually directly con contact and connect with God who told him, hey, these are the rules of what's going to work on this planet that's right. being developed. Yeah, th th that's, that's how I think the DMT comes out, out from the jungle, especially now in today's society, we are in need of help. Yeah. And all this technology was in the jungle, and now it's slowly coming out of the jungle. Yeah. And there's a danger to that, too, because I watched this uh, documentary last night called uh, The Last Shaman on yeah. Netflix that was about this kid from this area who was at Phillips Academy and super depressed and went to MGH and went to McLean's Hospital that we passed, you and I passed yeah. on the drive over here. Uh, and he was super depressed and couldn't be healed and decided to go to the jungle in South America to heal himself. Now, he eventually did, but he also yeah. ran into... He went to an area that was very touristy, so there's a bunch of sham people uh, that, that do this kind of medicine that don't really know what they're doing. So let's talk about your story in the context of all the research that you did. So what we're not doing is recommending people drop everything, go become a shaman in South America and start doing ayahuasca, right? right? You did a ton of research. Right. Um, and you sussed out people and you found your way to a legitimate group. So how did you do that? How did that go? So originally when I was younger, I, I used a lot of psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah. And that's that's when I first started to realize there's other consciousnesses. Right. Now, you told me that you started doing that in a more of a party sense. Yes, initially. more of a party sense initially. But then um, we broke off into small groups, and then we started doing it. We'd go out into nature. We realized it was connection with nature. Right. So it's we realized it wasn't about drinking alcohol and just basically yeah. having a party. <clears throat> so I did that for a few years, and then I was in a um, uh, hair salon, and there was a men's fitness magazine, and there was an article. And in the article, it said the greatest hallucinogenic drug in the world, ayahuasca. And I was drawn into this, and I was like, oh, my God. And I started to read it, and it talked about how thousands, you, you go in and you meet your ancestors from thousands of years ago. Yeah. And they explain how we've evolved and how we've become who we are and where we came from, the truth, not not this history that they, you know, right. given us. Right. So I went down the library and I started, you, this was when computers first came out, I started to look into it. Right. I'm like, I'm going. And when I say I'm going to do something, I'm very extreme, I'm going to do it. Right. So <clears throat> I looked into it more and more. I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to do this. This is fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, you got to go into the middle of the jungle. It's not the most pleasant place. You're throwing up. You're getting sick. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. So I'm about 26 at the time. I get married. I raise kids. 
you know, as time goes on, ayahuasca is still in the back of my head because I see it through TV shows. And I'm like, fuck, I should go do that. And then some. Tr- I had a traumatic experience uh, with my father probably uh, three years ago. And, you know, if three I... Three years ago now or then? Yeah, three years ago, pr- probably four years ago from now. Okay. And so, if you know, if I explained it to you, you'd be like, geez, that doesn't sound too bad. And I agree with you. But what it conjured up in me and the pain that yeah. I was in, I, I just didn't know how to handle it. One thing I've learned is that PTSD is a very subjective thing. And, and, and we were, I was talking to you about my dad on the ride over. You know, some of the smallest things that we might think are minor are very serious yeah. to someone else. And when, when you're in it, it doesn't matter how minor it is on the grand scale of right. things that can hurt you. It's the worst pain you've ever felt. Right. Because you're in it. So go ahead, continue. It was the worst pain. And, and and I didn't know how to deal with it because I kept looking back and going, this isn't that bad. Why are you in such pain? Right. And, I, and I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I was almost to the point where I almost went over there and killed him because I just wanted this pain to end. That's how much pain I was in. Yeah. And I didn't understand the pain. Right. So I was looking online, and I found, um, I started to watch um, YouTube videos about ibogaine. So what ibogaine is similar in some sense to ayahuasca. It's a plant medicine from Africa. It helps heal. Um, So I called a place in Mexico, and I talked to the gentleman there about going there to to their their center. And he said, you know, we do work with ibogaine, but I think you should come and work with ayahuasca. Your situation sounds more like you want to work with ayahuasca. Have you ever heard of it? I'm like, yes, I researched it 25 years ago. Here it is popping back up in my life. Yeah. So basically what this center is, um, about 20 years ago, Ibogaine became popular because it is helping people with opioid addiction. Right. They figured out scientifically 20 years ago that it resets the pleasure senses that the opioids ruin. Gotcha. And so within four hours, they're completely off off opioids. No kidding. Completely. They're, they have no physical addiction. Yeah. So what this place does is they use the ibogaine to fix the, um, fis, f, you know, fix the f- physical addiction. But then they use the psychological part. They use the ayahuasca to really heal the trauma to why they were pushed why they continued with the heroin and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was amazing to see that these kids come in, six, seven of them, completely strung out. Two weeks later, they're completely off heroin. And, and I still talk to five or six of them, and they're all off heroin today. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. I listened to this uh, a Rogan podcast uh, maybe a year ago about with this guy who did a bunch of research on drug addiction and he's written books, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but basically what he said was that the physical addiction of heroin and opioids is real, of course. We know it is. Right. But it's a very small part of why people are so addicted to those drugs. It's really the pain that they feel Correct. that they're trying to address. And so what you're saying is that so the ibogaine sort of just quickly gets rid of the physical addiction. We're done with that. Right. But now there's an underlying pain that everybody's trying to heal. That's why they've really been addicted to these drugs because for a few moments at a time, they feel well or healed. Right. Um, and so that's what you're talking about is getting into the ayahuasca for a deeper healing of that. Right. So 
I was there. Uh, we did three ceremonies. Um, so w within the ceremony, you have... Uh, this is in Mexico? This is in Mexico. This is in the mountains of Mexico. Um, a ceremony consists of, it's almost like going to church. Yep. It's, it's you know, set up just like a, uh, there's an altar. You have a shaman, which is the priest, and uh, <clears throat> he talks to you before. But, but really what the whole purpose of it is, is once you, you drink the medicine, you're in the medicine, he's basically reading you energetically. Yep. And seeing where the traumas are, right. what he needs to fix. <clears throat> And they do. And then how they do that is through their energy. You know, to be a shaman, you have to, to go through a process called the dieta, which is six to ten years. They used to go in the jungle, and if they came back, they were a shaman. Right. So some of them didn't even come back. Right. So it's very ex intensive work that they do um, to become a shaman. Yeah. And so They're he, like a, a mixture between a medicine man and a priest. He's either more than that. He's a psychologist. He's yeah. he's everything, right. all in one. And and so when ayahuasca really started, how it was is up into the nineties, <clears throat> the shaman would drink, and the people in the town would come to the uh, the shaman and ask him questions. I have financial issues. I think my wife's cheating on me. All this, the the people outside of the shaman did not drink ayahuasca. Yeah, ayahuasca really came out. Uh, when Westerners started to go down there to heal themselves, um, so it was it was just the shaman. So if you really think about it, not many people have have done ayahuasca because for thousands of years right. it was only the shaman that drank the ayahuasca. Right, and now it's becoming a more and now it's thing. more Western. And we need, as Westerners, we're in such pain and turmoil. We need this. This yeah. is like the safety valve of the Amazon jungle to help us. Yeah. Which we is a whole nother level of how tragic it is that it's a, lot tragic. Of, a lot of it's burning down but, in front of our eyes. Right. <laughs> it, the whole thing's tragic, but it will become beautiful because it will inspire us to take care of it. Yeah. Because it's-, it's To be reminded of what, right? what the benefits are of a place right. like that. We lost such connection, you know, to, to the Amazon and to the earth. Yeah. And these things bring us back. Well, we did that when we came here and, and got, you know, wiped out the natives that were here for thousands of years. Right. Their religion was based on connecting to the earth and right. sharing and not taking too much and right. all this stuff that we sort of just pushed aside. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's like one of the first things they did to the Indians once they took them over, they put shoes on their feet. They disconnected, disconnected them from the earth. Them from the earth. You know, now they're not energetically grounded to the earth anymore right. because of the shoes. Yeah. I mean, how often do people go out and take their shoes off and walk around their backyard? Never. Very rarely. But when I was a kid, that's I, all summer long I was barefoot. I, that's all I did. And and one of the things that I've been told from psychics and mediums and, and all kinds of people over the last five years as <coughs> I've shared about my sort of spiritual journey is that I've been reminded many times to be grounded, to right. take your shoes off, to go stand in the sand on the beach, right. on the earth, to go dig. I mean, my dad, I told, we talked a lot about my dad on the way over. One of the ways he stays grounded and gets out of all the crazy thoughts in his head is he loves to garden and do yard work. Right. So he's incredibly grounded in those moments when he's doing that.
And it's scientifically proven that the negative ions actually increase your serotonin levels. That's why you like going to the beach. That's why you like going in your backyard with no shoes on. Because your serotonin releases and you feel good. It literally is a natural drug. It's a natural drug. And like you said, so you said that this is similar to going to church. And when we talked, you told me, and and I've seen this in my research too, that some people believe that this ayahuasca is sort of like a sacrament, like a sacramental ceremony. And on the on the movie I, uh, or the documentary I watched last night, this one guy said he was a shaman and when he was in trance that Jesus came to him. Now, we can believe whether that's true or not. I've, I know people who are in organizations that, that can channel Jesus. I, I, I know that that sounds crazy, crazy to a lot of people. I can tell you I have a great bullshit meter and I've seen a lot of things that have made me go, wow, that was real. And right. that I can't explain in my head how right. that was real, but I feel it. Um, but anyway, this guy said that he that Jesus told him through one of his ayahuasca things that that ayahuasca or some form of that is what he drank at the Last Supper. Wow, which I thought was pretty interesting, and thought, wow, you know what? And, and and with all this stuff, let me let me just stop for a second. With all this stuff, we can believe it not to be, not believe it. It's our choice, right? right. But it's either. It's either true or it's not true. And whenever somebody something like that comes to me, you know, there's a lot of people who are very rigid religious or rigid just secularly that are like, no, that can't be true because that breaks down all the mental paradigms that I've built for myself. And I don't want that to be true. So they reject it right away. What I've learned to do over the last few years is when a question like that comes up, whether it's about a spiritual Jesus thing or a natural medicine thing or an astrological thing, is to ask the question, what if it were true? And just explore that conversation and see what happens. And so I think that obviously that's how you were able to get past your mental barriers to try ayahuasca, right? Because initially you must have thought, well, that that sounds great, but it sounds too good to be true. So n- not really. If I wasn't in such pain, I would have never probably done ayahuasca. Yeah, I probably would have just not thought about it. It's too out of my comfort zone just wouldn't do it. But I was in such pain, I needed something. So, you know, I always say the greatest gifts come in the shittiest packaging. Yeah. And that was the greatest gift that ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. Because now, like you said, I'm able to think outside the box. Yeah. Like, I want the experience. When I have the experience, it's the truth. Whether I agree with it or not, it's my truth. Yeah, well, the truth is the truth, and it's not your truth or anybody else's. The truth is, and you can believe in it or not believe in it. It doesn't affect the truth. Mm -hmm. The example I always use is gravity. Go outside and walk along a cliff and decide not to believe in gravity. Right. Gravity doesn't give a shit. Right. (laughs) Gravity is gravity. (laughs) Right. So, um, So let's go into now what happened to you and how you were able to heal. But before we do that, I wanted, I meant to start with this quote that was, Uh, at the beginning of this film I watched last night, and I forgot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this quote now because I think it's a great one. Um, It says, In oneself lies the whole world, and if you know how to look and learn, the door is there and the key is in your hand. Nobody on earth can give you either the key or the door to open except yourself. And that is from a guy called Jiddu Krishamurti, who was an Indian philosopher, died in 1986, mm. which, you know, tells us everything. All the knowledge, all the consciousness, all the happiness, all the healing, right. anything we ever want or need, we have access to it. 
Right. This is what organized religions have beaten out of us over thousands of years. Right. And we're now coming back to finding that we can do this. We can heal ourselves. We can look inside ourselves and find happiness. We can connect directly to God. Right. You know, all that stuff. So um, back to your story. You go through these ceremonies in Mexico. And what happens? So I do the first ceremony. It's very light. Um, it's a great introduction. Um, you know, obviously I was very nervous and very afraid, but it, but it was very gentle with me, mm-hmm. which which was a great experience. Um, but I feel like I didn't go deep enough. I could have gone deep enough. So <clears throat> basically, I do a lot of intermittent fasting. So right. I ate something. So my best energy is when I'm fasted. I have no energy. I mean, I, I have no food in my system. That's my best energy. How, how Just out of curiosity, how long is that? Uh, when you fat, when you're talking about this in regular practice, you go for so so. I've been uh, doing intermittent fasting for eight years, yeah. but and that's a new buzzword now. But you've yeah, been doing this yeah, for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. Now now it's fashionable, but I yeah. do intermittent fasting. So if, so it's once a day. I have one meal, and then every two maybe two months I'll fast for anywhere between three days up to three weeks with no food, eat nothing, just so, water. So, uh, just water. Okay. So. Um, that is considered anything over 72 hours is a fast. Okay. Anything under that's considered intermittent fasting. Got it. So I felt that my best energy would be if I fasted before the next ceremony. And they, they kind of, you know, they didn't know how to um, direct me towards that. So because what they do is they teach in the practice that you need fuel, food for the fuel because it's very physical. Yeah. This is mind-blowing uh, emotionally and mentally, but physically grueling. But also what I learned in the, the last shaman that I watched last night was that you need to clean the clear of the body out, right. clean the energy of the body before you do this for best results. R- right. So basically they, they have a diet that they've been practicing for about, uh, you know, thousands, thousands, of, of, thousands of years. Yeah. So there's, there's no salt, there's no sex, there's no caffeine, there's no alcohol, there's no sugar, basically vegetables depending on what lineage it's chicken or um fish yes fish from basically whatever's in the jungle local yeah whatever's local um and so you need to adhere to that i think just out of the respect but also to have let the medicine fully work on you yeah and so um the second um ceremony that i did i was fasted and i didn't eat for five days and it really was absolutely fucking amazing. I mean, it changed my life. I mean, that's why I'm here. Yeah. You know, I'm on this path now, and I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Yeah. And you want to share this story and I because share of the this. benefits that you've gotten and what you Right. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I know part of your story is that you were told during these one of these or many of these ceremonies that you're supposed to go out and talk about this right. stuff, to tell right. people that this is real. Right, that's how it kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how it kind of works. So you're fasting for five days. You do this. You have this incredible experience. What happened to you during that? So, so that second one. So I have this experience. I'm in Yankee Stadium on the field, fully dressed, part of the Yankees. No way. Yeah, we win a World Series. <laughs> Get out of here. We, this is the last thing you would expect swear, to see on Ayahuasca, right? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> we ca- we carry someone off the field. And then all of a sudden, I'm projected above the stadium. Yeah. And they say, now you know what it is to win a World Series. 
how fucking awesome is this? And I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And then, you know, and then ayahuasca says, hold on, come with me now. (laughs) And I'm shot into this liquid energy. Like, there is no words. Yeah. There's nothing anymore. It's just me as pure energy. Yeah. Prior to coming here. Yeah. And it was just the most amazing experience to be self-connected yeah. to whatever that was. You right. know, it's not Tony Taverna, the personality. Right. It was just this pure but connection the, to energy. It's the eternal part of the Tony source. Taverna. It was the yes. soul or whatever yeah. you want to T- call it. Tony Taverna is just this vehicle. Yeah, you know what I mean. Character. He's a character. <laughs> that's all he is. <laughs> but you know, and so it says, "What do you want? Like, what do you want out of life? Do you do you want this all pure telepathically? Energy? No all, words. All telepathically. You know, do you want that or this? Do you, you know? Is yeah, do, do you want to win Super Bowls and World Series? And I'm like, no, I want the pure energy because you think about these guys that. You know, they play baseball their whole life or a sport, and they finally get to this pinnacle. They win a World Series or a Super Bowl, and they wake up the next morning. And they're like, what the fuck? Nothing's changed. Right. They haven't fixed anything. They haven't healed anything. Right. They're just, now they're either more fucked than they were because they don't have a purpose anymore. Right. So that was was the second experience. Um. Well, that, that's really interesting because I can share from my experience of uh, not – I haven't done ayahuasca, uh, but, you know, I have done past life regression. Okay. And so I've been able to be sort of put into a semi-hypnotic trance and then see past lives that I've lived. And, wow. again, it's one of those things you can't explain it really. And analytically, your brain can't really process it, but it's a feeling that you know there's something real there. And I shared a story with you about that. Like when I went to Spain, I lied down in the middle of Spain, in the middle of nowhere, there was a Templar church there. And I just lied down and crossed my arms and everybody thought I was asleep, but I wasn't really asleep. I was sort of semi-hypnotized then. And I wasn't, again, I wasn't on anything. I was sober. I was just on this spiritual journey with my mom and a bunch of other people. And then they have this picture of me lying with my arms crossed, smiling. And when I got into past life regression, the first past life I saw was that I was a Templar knight in Spain and I died right there is where they buried me. Amazing. And then again, it's like, well, you know, your brain could make that up. And how do you analyze this? But if you take a step back and you take the analytical part out of it and just the feeling and then also you somewhat analytically connect that. I had that experience with no knowledge of past lives while right. I was lying there. There's a photo of me doing it. And then all of a sudden I go to this past life regressionist in Sedona. And the first thing I see is that. Right. Like that was strange. And it was, again, one of those times that woke me up right. to like, hey, what if this is real? What if we can see past lives? Right. What if we can see in between lives? What if we can see way back even before that, which is what and, and happened it, to <clears> you <throat> under – while using this medicine. Right. Well, yeah. So after um, I do three ceremonies in Mexico, and then um, then I I didn't think I'd ever do this again. Did you win a World Cup while you were there? No. 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 <laughs> it was just a World Series. <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> and then so, and, and then I thought about, like, what do I want to do with this? Is this enough? Um, so I basically have been doing doing this medicine. I do it once a month. Uh, every month and a half, I go back to South America, somewhere in South America. And, and I just want to say, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea to do any illegal drugs. I'm not an advocate of yeah. illegal drugs. Um, 
So that's why we shared some stories on the way over here about the drugs that we experimented with and partied with. And this is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is there's there's medicine out there and there's a ton of research. You talked about psilocybin. Rogan's on this train big time. There's a lot of research done with psilocybin's now that that there's incredible medical benefits. I mean, that's what it comes back to is right that like if you believe in God and all that stuff that like. God put everything here that we need. We right. don't need to create these synthetic drugs. And I'm again, I'm not saying don't take penicillin and antibiotics and all that. You you take it if you need to. That right. stuff has saved thousands of lives over millions of lives over the course of history. But there's other stuff that we're told to forget about, largely by these pharmaceutical companies right. that don't want to cure cancer and don't want to cure uh, depression. What they want to do is medicate people forever so that they have a steady revenue stream. Right. That's Capitalism untapped in its purest form, right? <laughs> Unbridled capitalism right there. But what we're talking about is natural healing abilities. Some of it is hallucinogenic, and we're not suggesting that you go out and you find this stuff and you do it on your own. What we're talking about is to do research and go talk to people and find your way into the right situation where there's a safe place to do this because there is a danger to it. Oh, there's an absolute danger. So, so one of the things where it can be a danger of people on antidepressants, mm-hmm. other pharmaceuticals could have a chain re- chain reaction, doesn't react well, and people do die from it. Yeah. The, well, there was the, no the, the, the film I watched last night. Someone was recommended not to do it, did it, and died. But also the kid that was the main character in it, when he first got to South America, he was still on medication because he was coming down from MGH right. and McLean. And so the shamans all told him across the board, oh. you have to finish taking your medication that you're on so that your body is healed, and then we can start clearing your body. Right. Which he did, in this case, for months. This kid yeah. was in a cabin for four months by himself, just drinking not ayahuasca, but other natural pressed juices and weeds and things right. like that, and smoking a natural tobacco uh, that I don't think is hallucinogenic. But again, when you're not eating and you're not... You know, it right. does connect you a little more. But anyway, he cleared his body for four months, and then he did ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah, so so what he was doing, he was doing a process of a, of a dieta, they call it, and they, you work with other master plants. And tobacco is a very powerful master plant, mm-hmm. and it's a very good thing. It's, it's not what we think of tobacco in this country where they pervert it with these chemicals. Right. And they make you sick and so addictive. That's a good word for it, yeah. perverted. Well, that's what they do to a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, I mean— George you know, Washington's tobacco was not perverted like that. His, his, I'm sure, was the pure stuff. Yeah, I'm sure stuff. it was natural. <laughs> I mean, even, even you look at, like, in um, Peru, everyone chews coca leaves. Yeah. And, you know, it's the alkaloid in um, coca leaves, very nutritious, minerals, uh, vitamins, and it gives you a buzz similar to coffee. Nothing yeah. more than that. Right. But what they do is they take, you know, 32 ounces, I mean, 32 kilos of leaf, they suppress it, you know, they press it down with all these chemicals right. to one kilo, and you wax you out of your mind. Right. But it, it, it's not meant to do that. So once again, they take something that was beautiful and helpful, and they pervert it into this. Well, like this. We have right in front of us a Himalayan salt lamp that, right. that deionizes the air, cleans all the electromagnetic yeah. out of there, but also to ingest Himalayan salt, and I learned this when I helped yeah. my sister open up a salt therapy place in Sarasota. It's called Salt of the Earth. Go check it out if yeah. you're in Sarasota. But I did all this research with her, that, and I met this doctor that actually prescribes Himalayan salt or regular pure sea salt 
to lower people's blood pressure. Yeah. Because natural salt has 80 to 90 something trace minerals in it. So right. in its natural state, the body knows how to process it. Right. It goes in, it attaches to toxins, and then it leaves with the toxins. Correct. When we bastardize it and break it down to just sodium and chloride, two minerals, it's not a natural <clears throat> form. Right. So the body doesn't know what to do with it, which is right. how it ends up getting stuck there and clogging arteries and causing high blood pressure. Right. Again, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, but uh, you should do some research on salt. I eat Himalayan salt and sea salt every day. Yeah. And I've yeah. never had high blood pressure, and I still don't now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I actually use uh, Himalayan pink salt. I make a sole in the morning and the night. I just take a tablespoon of it. Really? It's very low in sodium. That's yeah, you know, and it's got all the trace minerals and electrolytes. I mean, so most of the water we drink today is all dead water. It's been stripped. They've right. taken all the the electrolytes, the actual and minerals, minerals out, of out of it. Right. So how does it how does it adhere to the cells in the body? It doesn't. Right. So it actually becomes a diuretic. So oh, okay. so people that drink too much water, over a hundred people a year just run a marathon, end up dropping dead of a heart attack. Why? Because they've stripped all the electrolytes and minerals out of their their body, and they've had heart attacks because they don't have any electrolytes and minerals. And now you have all these little power boosts and little gel packs that give you all that stuff again that's just engineered. But there's natural ways to do that. When you drink natural water out of a spring, it's got all the minerals in it. The thing is you don't need to drink that much water if it's a natural spring. Right. Or, or if you're getting the proper electrolytes and minerals, you don't need to drink, you know, 100 ounces of water. Or, you, you don't. Right. It adheres into the body. Right. So you go to this thing in Mexico, you do that, you come back, and then eventually you, you realize, okay, I got to take this to the next level. Right. I got to go down to South America. To Peru, is it? Well, I, I just go back to, yeah, Peru one time. I mean, I've been to Peru many times, but different parts of South America. Um, so I started first working with uh, the Santo Daimene Church in in South America, which okay. was um, basically it's a it's a Christian based religion that uses ayahuasca as the sacrament. Wow! But but it is a Christian based religion. Yeah, and uh, they've done many. Well, talk about things being perverted and stripped. I mean, the Roman Catholic Church had yeah. the Council of Nicaea in 325, and they rewrote the Bible and took out. The Book of Mary and the Book right. of Thomas and all this other stuff. And God knows what's missing from real right. Christianity. It could be these guys in it Brazil could, could have a, a more pure form of Christianity that was closer to what Jesus and Mary and those people were practicing at yeah. that time. But anyway, continue. So so they, they did a study over the last 30 years in Brazil with ayahuasca, and they followed people that do ayahuasca twice a month for 30 years mm-hmm. and how productive— how emotionally and physically they've become stronger. When I first started doing this, there was a question in my mind, like, am I fucking my mind up doing this? Because I'm right. seeing shit and experience stuff. Like, am I having a psychotic breakdown? Right. Am I in a cult? Like, I went through all these sure. emotions. Like, what am I doing? But that's the skepticism of trying anything new. Well, that's my ego. That, yeah. That obviously it's trying to protect you. Don't do right. that. It's scary because it might open your mind. Right. It, you know, in this pro, in this process of ayahuasca, they call it the death of the ego. So yeah. the more you work with it, eventually, fucking kills your ego. You have a death of you, which is. I mean, every you need an ego. Yeah. You know, an ego is like a dog. You got to walk it. You got to pet it. You got to play with it. You know, 
but you can't spend all day and with you, your well, dog. you can't let it drive, right? Like, uh, right. I, I've been asked many times, what happened to you, you know, when I started doing this five years ago and I started a new path? And what happened to me was I realized that my ego was bullshit. And like you said, right. I need it. You need it. Um, but what I decided was my ego was going to sit in the back seat. And right. I was going to call it up front when I needed it. Right. But my soul was going to drive the car from now on. Right. And that's how I've done all the things that I'm doing. That Julie's snapping her fingers in the corner in approval. Um, and so that's really what we're talking about here. And really, if you take one thing from today, this is it, right? right. Like, how do you find a way to put your ego in the back seat? It doesn't have to be medicine. It doesn't have to be a spiritual journey like I took. Uh, but it's got to be something different than what you're normally doing because right. what you're normally doing isn't going to produce that result. Right. Th there's many different ways to get to that point. Sure. So to get back to the uh, – Near-death experience is one, but I don't recommend experience. trying that. Right. <laughs> well, well, in, in, in ayahuasca, you do have death experiences. Sure. Where you, you think you're not coming back. You just might as well accept it, move on. And it's very, very difficult. Yeah. But, you know, after you come back an hour or two – it's the greatest fucking thing in the world because you're alive yeah. and you appreciate everyone in your life and you appreciate right. everything. Once again, everything's new. Right. I mean, we because forget. Because you thought it was all gone. Yeah, you thought it was all gone. And there it you is. Know? So, yeah, perspe <laughs> perspective. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It yeah. really is unbelievable. Yeah. So just, just to get back to the Santo Daime in, yeah. in Brazil. So I read an article about how, you know, um, science – Scientifically, they've proven it's the brain. It, these people are sharper. The brain's more intact, so it's healing people. So, so that's when when I would question myself and say, "Shit, am I fucking my brain up?" Really, I I wasn't. And when I read the scientific facts, I was able to to kind of breathe breathe the sigh of relief that I'm not screwing my brain up. But also, what they do in Brazil, the Santo Diamond community, they they work with prisoners that are in prison, they bring them, they do ceremonies with them, with ayahuasca. In order to heal them. And they heal these guys. Wow. And they re repeat offenders, none. Or very minimal. Because it heals them. Hmm. You know? Yeah, again, it goes back to the, the drug addiction thing. Why are you taking these drugs? It's not because you're dependent on this chemical. That's a part of it. But right. more, it's about the pain that you feel inside that you're trying to hide. And I think that the case could be made for criminals as well. Right. Why are they acting out and hurting people when they know deep down that they're connected to everybody and hurting every, someone else is just right. hurting themselves because it's a, puts an, a, an imp, karmic imprint on their soul forever and that they have to pay back, right? You know, right. this is a super deep philosophical way to look at it, but yeah. that's it's my show, so screw you if you don't yeah. like it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it makes sense that like we need to think about ways of instead of what we've done in this country is like privatizing prisons and let people profit off of putting people in cages. Maybe we should be going the other way and trying to find real ways to heal these people so that they can be reintroduced into society and be productive members of society. Right. So, okay, continue. So, um, so I started working in the Santo Daimene Church and like I explained, it's a Catholic based religion and they use uh, they use the uh, sacrament as ayahuasca and so <clears throat> then yeah, just um, point that microphone up oh, again sorry about keep that. Dipping down. there you go 
So I started to do this on a regular basis. So in the last three years, I've done it over 40 times. Wow. And then I got to a point where I wanted to go maybe even a little deeper. And then what I did is um, I decided to do a process called the Dieta Process. Um, when you go into the jungle, you're there for two weeks. Oh, this is where you don't eat anything. Yeah, well, that that's actually not part of the process that's something I bring to that process. Oh, okay, got it. But so one month prior to the um, going to the jungle, you have, once again, no salt, no sex, no caffeine, no sugar. You're on basically a jungle diet. Then um, two weeks in the jungle, um, there's, say, 20 people, and we're all in huts. Everyone's, and you're spread out maybe 10 or 15 minutes from each other. So you're kind of, oh, okay. you're kind of isolated. Got it. This is not a group thing. Yeah. And so um, really this dieta process started thousands of years ago of people that want to become shamans. Now, obviously, I, I don't want to become a shaman, but this is the process. They would just do it for six years or 10 years, basically in isolation, working with these master plants and learning their yeah. true powers. I would say that it's irrelevant whether you want to become a shaman or not, right? The, the ayahuasca is going to tell you yeah. whether you're going to be well, <laughs> in the context of what you <laughs> but it hasn't told you that yet, no. so continue. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I went down there, and, uh, you know, the, the month prior with the diet, very difficult because you're stripping everything out of your life. Sure. And so— And you're having withdrawals even from sugar and yeah. crap that you eat oh, or whatever. You, you Meat. Come, come off caffeine— Caffeine, yeah. Yeah, it's it's difficult, but it's part of the process, and yep. it's, you know. You want to have a clean slate to, yeah. to work with, right? So so you get down there. So for, for two weeks, you are basically off the grid. There is no electricity. You don't shower. You don't brush your teeth. Basically, they, they don't want any shampoo uh, because they want you to blend in with the environment. Yeah, they don't want you to poison the environment, yeah. right? I mean, you are. So it, other people are eating, but you're not. Yeah. So so but what they they're only eating local stuff that they're given by the shamans. Yes, they eat um, a local diet, which is just rice and fish. Got it. I don't eat, and that's just my preference because my best energy is no food. Got my it. best energy is from storage. It's right. not from the process of that digesting. Right. So they actually they're not big fans of me doing that yeah oh really yeah because they don't think i can do this type of work right so and, physically well, and, and also like yeah it would be dangerous for the average person this is where the conversation right. comes in that everybody's different right. and what works for someone wouldn't necessarily work for you but right. <clears throat> just a quick aside with this intermittent fasting that's been going on i've been sort of experimenting a little bit on my own of just going 12 hours or so without eating here and there and um i tell you i feel a lot better and i don't a lot less and less i feel hungry right like i think that we've programmed ourselves that we need so much food and it's really not true and uh you know one thing i watched is completely unrelated was this the washington documentary that's been on the history channel the last few nights you know that army was on the march washington's army for seven years right and they went months and years with very little to no food right and they were able to fight and win right uh, against all odds which made me think because we had talked about this already that I wonder what's going on with like what food is and and how we're told that we need so much and really we can exist on very little if we had to or wanted to. 
So anyway, that's just a little aside on that. I know we we want to come and do another uh, episode or start your own podcast where we talk about uh, a whole episode just on intermittent fasting mm-hmm. and fasting in general. But we don't have time to do all that today in ayahuasca. Right. So just a little aside about that. So you're there in these huts. You're fasting. Everybody else isn't. So so just to talk about real quick, you know, you you have to have these experiences. Little by little, I mean, I built up to this over sure. eight years. It's sure. not something you want to jump Just into. Just dive into, right? Right. Um, so, so you do five medicine ceremonies, which okay. consist of twenty people, the shaman, over the course of two weeks. Over two weeks, yeah. And and basically, you sit down with the shaman, and he asks you a series of questions as far as if you have any physical ailments, whether right. you have stomach issues or. Some people have cancer, so on and so forth. And he prescribes a master plant that works. So ayahuasca helps these other master plants work on you deeper. Okay. So so that's why it's so important they go hand in hand. Got it. I didn't really have any physical um, things. So the one of the times I Yours was more emotional. Yeah. So so I worked with a uh, master plant called Bobansana which is supposed to open up your heart, and, and it did. It was a tremendous, tremendous experience, yeah. and a lot of it's dream work. So I, I never really thought about dream work or dreams very much before I started using ayahuasca. Yeah. And, and now I see that it's very prevalent yeah. because, you know, there's DMT coming. That's right. You know, in and you dreams. and I have talked about my experience and that I have had similar little tidbits of these experiences without any kind of med- medicine help. That, right. You know, I've had dreams where people from the other side have communicated directly to me uh, and asked me to send a message to someone else. I've had a dream that came to me that was given sort of Amazing. by God or the universe. I don't know who, but it was yeah. faith that faith means fostering awareness in the heart. And that came to me in a dream. And it was very clear that I was being given this message to share with the world. Right. Um, and so what you're talking about is just, you know, your journey into that stuff. Some of us have that a little bit naturally. Others have to work. We all have it. Right. But we all have to sort of work on it and develop it to the point where we're actually listening and open to these dreams and paying attention to them. Right. Sorry, go ahead. So with the Bob and Sana, so the dreams were so real. So at times I didn't know whether I was, you know, right. it was the daytime, the nighttime I was dreaming. Plus, you, you know, because you're just me. in a hut by yourself. There's yeah. no clocks. There's no nothing. Yeah. So there's nothing. There's nothing to v- divert the mind from the truth of who you really are. And, and it's not pretty. You're just sitting there existing. It is not fucking pretty sometimes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Basically, you have these emotional breakdowns and no one's coming to help you. Yeah. You need to be able to put yourself back together. Right. And uh, which is a great practice. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's fucking grueling. Yeah, it's grueling. And then you know the the only relief is the medicine, <laughs> and that's not fucking easy. <laughs> right. You know, because then you're sick, you're throwing up, and then you're dealing with really deep, yeah, pain that you're trying to heal. But, but it's actually done in such a loving way. It's not what we think about vomiting. Like you think, well, I'm sick, I'm vomiting. It's a bad thing. It's not like that. It's like you're getting bad energy out. Yeah, you're getting bad energy out. I mean, they call it getting well. Yeah. Um, It still doesn't feel good, right? uh, Not necessarily. 
But there's a relief after it. There, there's a relief. Just like any time you vomit. Like it feels right. terrible while you're you doing it, but afterwards you feel a two, better. three hours in anguishing fucking hell. Yeah. And then you start to vomit, and it's fucking beautiful. But you see actually what's coming out. It's an emotional purge. Yeah, that, you're that, very aware. Yes, uh, you're of aware the energy that's what's being coming expelled. Out. Oh yes, that's really cool. And and you and you sometimes you actually see what is trapped in you because right. these trapped traumas and energy, you know, if you just suppress them your entire life, they're going to manifest into a disease. Absolutely, that's what most of modern disease is. I'm convinced yeah, of that. I, I am too. Well, completely. it's it's ingesting that emotional stuff and trapping it, and also we're ingesting poison through food, right. through food and drinks, and then there's the poisonous energy that's around us all the time that we're ingesting, and that's what creates disease. Right, and 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 that's what it what disease comes from. Dis ease. Right. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> All right. All right. So so now you're in these huts. You're there two weeks. You do this five times. What's your experience? Did you see any World Series or see no. any, what, did, what did you see? Oh. That What did you see oh. on these ones? There's certain things I can't explain. Sure. Um, you know. Well, well I, I talk about that a lot, right? Like God, uh, the universe, consciousness. Use whatever word you want to describe something that's not describable by human words. Right. And what you're talking about is seeing and experiencing things that can't really be described by human words. No. Not but even. Do cool. your best because that's how we I, communicate. I, I, I mean, I mean, this is this is all bullshit. What I'm saying in the sense of like this is not even close. But I'm trying to do it in a respectful way to the medicine to get people to maybe. Get interested, interested in this, but intrigued. this is definitely—it's not for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're not recommending that we no. put this in schools in America, no. right? You're, no. you're, so you're bringing this as so, so, for so, people that that have been trying to heal something physical, emotional, right. mental, and haven't been able to. Right. This is an opportunity to heal. Yeah. So at first, when I started, I wanted to—you know—I was telling people, and I wanted to bring everyone, sure. you know, load everyone up on plane, bring them to South America, yeah. and then I realized, holy shit. This is not for everyone. Yeah. It's just like someone who has a spiritual awakening. Oh, now you have to come to this church that I go to because right. it works so well for Doesn't me. Work but that, way, that might not work for me. No. So I, good job with your church or right. your healing. <laughs> good for you, buddy. <laughs> but, you know, maybe I need something else. But I think that the conversation about sharing these things, right. people will listen to this and go, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about that. Yeah. You know, I told you yeah. when you called me, someone had recently just asked me, another person from Watertown, hey, yeah. what do you know about ayahuasca? I've been thinking about this. I'm like, you know, I don't know much, but I'm very intrigued. A week or two later, you you know, you know, send me yeah, a message and say, hey, how do, what do you know about <laughs> this? Exactly and I said the same thing, like, <laughs> not enough. Tell me what you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened to you in Brazil that you can, the best you can explain so, 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 on that trip? So, so those particular things were in Peru. Um, you know, I had, I had one experience where, um, as I was vomiting, the experience, it actually was my mother vomiting. So, so a lot of this work. So you became her in that I became her. Consciously. Yes. And, and so a lot of this is ancestral work, which you kind of learn as you come into things. You know, that's why if you go to a therapist and they try to help you, they only can get to you so far because really a, a lot of the trauma or issue you you haven't even gone through, it's energetically been passed right. to you. Yeah, for hundreds of generations. Hundreds maybe. of generations. They say like five generations it goes back. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
But but again, this is stuff that I learned in my own research to psychics and mediums and past life regressionists that we carry this stuff from other lives, from other times. Right. And, and that our soul group, which is generally our family and our close friends, that we travel through different lifetimes. And right. This is not a controversial concept. Deepak Chopra talks about this a lot. He wrote a book about it called The Return of Merlin, which was all about past lives and, and staying with your soul group through different lives and then learning yeah. the lessons and doing the task in this life so that you move to the next step, yeah. whatever that is. So this is, to me, very normal stuff. Now, to yeah. other people might be hearing this for the first time. It could be shocking, but oh. I can tell you again, ask that question. What if it were true? Yeah. I would I wouldn't believe any of this stuff. Yeah, when we were if, kids? No way. If I didn't experience this. You talked I, about that box. I spent the whole time as a kid trying to get in that box. A box that I never knew existed. I still don't right. know what the box is, where it is, what the right. hell it is, why people talk about it. I've only ever existed outside this box. Right. But many people grow up in that box and then have to find, try to climb their way out. And you're yeah. one of those people, right? Right. So, um, sorry, we keep getting cut off. Yeah, uh, no problem. Uh, you were talking about ancestral healing, and that's what happened to you. You became your mom. and So, so I could see what I was releasing, what I was purging really was for my mother. And it was so beautiful, so beautiful. So, so I'm almost at this, like, this third person. Yeah, watching my mother in my bathroom on Dewey Street in Watertown, <laughs> yeah. throwing up, healing herself. Right. But it's really me. I'm physically... Now, in that moment, were you aware any time after that this was also related to your dad and that you were healing your mom's energy from what she had to take on of your dad's energy, or, is, or are these unrelated? No. You know, at this point, I would say it's unrelated, but I'll go back to another time where I dealt with my father. Okay. You know? Um, so, you know, my friends shit on me at work. They're like, you pay $1,900, you go down to the jungle, you throw up fucking, you know, for 14 days, you don't eat. Like, what are you out of This is a vacation? Mind? What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> You're, you are absolutely fucking insane. Yeah, you and could I'm go like, to an all-inclusive well, resort and eat yourself half to death exactly. instead for the same exactly. price. <laughs> right. And then you get scared shitless and you see fucking demons and stuff. I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's a deeper purpose. Oh yeah, no, that, they they that, that they the understand. Person doesn't necessarily, and, and, and I and I think they see a change in me. I, I see a change in myself. Yeah, and that's what so matters, whether, right? Yeah, and so um, you know, and, and just let me say this. You know, when I do this type of work, I just want to thank my wife that puts up with all this stuff because it's not easy. She's disconnected me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's she's so good Ju with it. Julie said that's what I was wondering. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't even we hadn't even talked about that part. I didn't even know you're married. Yeah, so so <laughs> she's she's pretty good with this, but it's tough on her because sure. I'm disconnected to her for two weeks. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, she knows I'm in the jungle. There's wild animals around. Anything could happen. I, I mean, it's a little dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> but. You but know? this is life. Like anything could happen to anybody on any yeah. given day, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're putting yourself in a little more danger. But you could also, on the way to work, get, hit, get hit by the bus you're waiting for, and that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talk about the thing with your dad. So the second time I was in the jungle, I well, actually it was the, f the first time when, when I was doing this dieta process, I saw why my father, I basically was in his life from maybe the age of five to about 18. Wow. 
and and found out why he is the way he is. Right. And understand that. My father, what he gave me and my sister, which was pain, heartache, fucking misery, and tortured us, it's because that's all he had. Right. He loved us so much. He gave us what he had. He just happened to have some shitty things. Yeah. So he gave us that. It's amazing that as a kid you were such a fun-loving, happy you know, go lucky guy, but obviously that's how you were dealing with that anxiety yeah. was like being Everyone a has. And I have often looked back to like there were people that we went to high school with. I still look back and like that guy was such a jerk. But now with the awareness that I had, and this isn't about you, uh, I'll tell you off air who I who yeah. I was think of specifically. But I now with the awareness think back like I wonder what that kid's childhood was like. Yeah, to make him like oh that. exactly. I mean, but you have to put this in perspective. This is a this is a human experience. That's why we're on this earth to have this experience. Yeah. you know, and there's all these things that pulled together as the human experience. It's pain, it's misery, it's suffering, it's happiness, it's joyfulness, all these things. But it's the way they go about teaching. Like they don't say, Tony, it's okay that you're in pain. Okay, this is how we're going to handle pain. Right. What they do is, after generation to generation, they suppress the pain. You go to your mother, you're in pain, she gives you a cookie, she gives you a new pair of sneakers. Right. She doesn't want to see you in pain, so she bribes you out of the pain. Right. Not distracts to, you from it she instead of teaching you. you how to deal with it. But really what she's doing is she doesn't want to deal with her pain. Right. And so if she sees you in pain, now it triggers her pain. And this goes back generations and generations. Yeah. So being in pain is okay. It's how we process it that's fucking harmful. Yeah. And if we if we learn how, you know, I think in the Amazon, the, the, the paradigm that they use for pain is they see the pain. You process this pain in the medicine. You eat the pain. You digest the pain. You defecate the pain. It's over. The switch is flipped. Yeah. Like, it's... It's a lot of work to get there, yep. but it's resolved. Yep. It's not every day you're dealing with this subconsciously and, you know, drinking and smoking all these diversions. Right, numbing yourself you're from You're numbing the yourself. Right. Um, that's really interesting. I uh, Sorry, I'm just taking some video yeah, no to problem. put on social media later. But, um, you know, I think it's a really important thing and we're getting close to the end so we're, we're not going to like told you we're not going to cut up we're, we're cut off when we're in the middle of something but I think a good place to end this is on the conversation of healing and, and dealing with pain which again goes back to everything we've been talking about you know drug addicts criminals the average person you know is going out and getting that job getting that family getting all those things that they think they should have so that they think that that'll deal with the pain that they feel and what we learned and what I learned as a very young kid when I did this thing called the Landmark Forum, and I know we talked about that and you want to hear more about that off air, but um, I learned that we're the ones in charge of all that and that we get to choose right. that whether we're going to you know, deal with this or whether we're going to you know, continue to make choices that don't support our, what we want out of life. And, and one thing you learn in that course that's very clear is that all that stuff that we go after in life is all crap. It's all right. bullshit. Um, what's real is dealing with yourself right. and becoming aware of yourself and self-awareness and making good choices. And that's, again, that goes back to that's why this thing fits into the Zelosophy platform is it's all about self-awareness, honest but empathetic self-evaluation, and then making good choices. So how do we 
do that within the framework of self-healing. And what you're talking about is ayahuasca is a good thing to explore it that way. Because there's a lot of people out there that have pain, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, that have tried everything and they're not feeling any better. Right. But you've found this thing for you right. that has, you know, changed everything for you. Yeah, like I said, it's it's definitely not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but uh So but talk it, about I mean, we, we talked about that. You know, what I wanna end with is sort of like how has it healed you? How do you feel different? What is uh what's your awareness like? How have you been fe- felt like you've been called to talk about this and right. and spread it so that other people might find a similar healing to what you've experienced, excuse right. me. Well, I'd I'd have to say what I've what I've learned through this experience these last three years, I've learned to recover. And, and what I mean by recover is recover is finding something that you had and you lost. Mm. So I had self connection when I was born. Yep. To myself, I had self connection to the earth. I had self connection to other humans, and little to by the whole little, universe. I fucking lost it all. Yeah. We all did. We, we all did. We stripped away with it being right. in this physical realm. Right. But there's something else going on. Right. That's in a different realm that we can connect to. So I recovered all this and started to realize, wow, there's something I already know. This is inherent. I see, I've seen in the medicine, like, this whole process, how we've lost our way, how we need to come back. Yeah. Well, and again, that. That all that line right there is perfect. That's what philosophy is all about. That's why I started doing this because I've shared hundreds of times on this podcast. The Boston Marathon bombing was the moment where I felt like we lost our way. We, how do we find it? How do we find our way back? Because this can't keep. Ha- we can't keep treating right. each other like this. This is not natural. It's no. not normal. We have to find a way to move forward together, right. despite all of our differences. And so any modalities is the word you like to use any modalities that sort of reconnect you to that feeling of that we are all connected and that that we can be healed and that we can recover you know that's what this is all about right yeah so um well how do you anything you want to say to close any organizations in south america you want to promote or any advice about doing research uh, that you want to give to people to sort of wrap this up? and Well, I think this you have to be called to do. Yeah. Like I, I've been called to this for many years, maybe didn't realize it. Yeah, you resisted it for a while. You know, if, if you want to go have some like uh, hallucinogenic trippy experience and see like lights and stuff, definitely not the thing to do. <laughs> right. You know. It's it's, plenty, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of other things. things you can do to do that. This is serious work. That's why they call it the work, because when you're going, you're going to work. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I love that you say that because people, I often talk about that we as humans have the ability to heal ourselves, but we don't practice it. So you no. can't just, you know, turn your back on Western modern medicine and say, I'm going to heal myself from now on. It doesn't work no. that way. No. It takes years and years and years of practice of learning how to heal yourself. But but one uh, you know bunch of things work. I've learned in the medicine <clears throat> we're way more powerful than what we think. Absolutely. And they keep us in the small box because they don't want us to know our true potential. Yeah. 
And one of the things I really learned in, in the medicine is you need to be careful what comes out of your mouth. Absolutely. Because that vibration, what comes out of your mouth, that's a contract into the universe. Yep. You know, you have a, a woman and she says all she ever meets is shitty guys. The, the universe doesn't know how to interpret that. He brings them more shitty guys. Hey, right. here's a shitty guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, that's it. It's the law of attraction, right? That we're, we right. have to be careful what we do and what we say and even what we think because we call into our lives. I think what you said is amazing. We're way more powerful than we think. And I've learned it in other ways besides the medicine. As I said, yeah. I've done a lot of spiritual work. And I've learned that each one of us has the power of the entire universe inside us. Correct. We all do. It's crazy, but it's true. It's crazy, but true. And one of those <laughs> things that if you're hearing that and going, well, that can't be true, well, and, you, and your mind is automatically dismissing it, I would invite you to say, what if that were true? What happens? How would, you, how would that affect the way that you act, the way you talk? Right. The things that you do, the things that you say, the what you do for a career, what you do with your family. Right. What if you had all the power that you ever needed, that anyone ever needed, it was inside you, and you could tap into it? Would you be interested in trying to learn how to do that? What people forget is that because they're not connected, that we're all the same. We're yeah. all going through the same shit. We're all struggling. Yep. It's like when you jump into a car. You know, you forget you're a human. You're disconnected. You're flipping people off. You're almost yeah. killing people. Yeah. You forget you're not connected to that other person anymore. It right. gives you like this ability to, you can lash out at people and, and go fucking crazy. You need to understand we're all going through this together. Yeah. And little secret for everyone. Yeah. No one gets out alive. So be nice to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and another little secret, like you said, we're all struggling. This we're isn't easy struggling. for any of us. But this is the human experience. Right. We're supposed to be struggling. We're supposed to be in pain. Yeah, if this was easy, we wouldn't learn anything. Exactly. We wouldn't grow. We didn't come here for this to be easy. This is, right. many people believe that universally that Earth is a, is just a school. This whole planet is a school I, I, for spiritual growth yeah. that we come here to do specifically to yeah. do work, to learn. Yeah. I've found that to be very true. Yeah. Um, I've never so, heard that, but it makes sense. Yeah. And so that's what it is. Whether, and, and again, we're not recommending, you said it's not for everybody. So we're not recommending everybody run out and try ayahuasca. What we're saying is that there's lots of stuff out there that we've been told is, is fake or not real or can't help, can't help you reconnect to everybody because we're not really connected. And what I would say is find something, whether it's ayahuasca or going to a medium or going to an astrologer or doing your own research at the library or on the Internet. How about sitting and breathing? Yeah. Just connect to the breath. Yeah, go out to a cabin in the woods that has nothing and has no— Or go no in your closet. You don't, it's yeah. right there. We don't even need to travel. Right. It's right there in front of us, and we forget to even breathe. People yeah. don't even pay attention to their breath. I think that that's why smoking has be became such a big thing. You know what? That's because a it great forces people point. to go outside and take a deep yeah. breath. Now they're wow. inhaling poison and chemicals no, while they like do that. it, but it's a reset that they're doing. Yes. They're standing outside smoking yeah. and going, I never hey, thought of that. I'm breathing. Yeah. Now, you can do that without cigarettes. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> and a it's, much, it's a lot cheaper and much healthier. <laughs> um, but I think that that's a great way to end, that uh, nobody gets out of this alive and that we all have infinite power within us. And we should pay attention to that and learn how to use it. Um, 
this is just one episode. We're going to do more because obviously we could keep talking for hours, but Julie's got work to do, so we're going to have to let her go at some point. Um, so that's it. Any last words? I appreciate you having me on here and allow me to to tell you my experience. All right, great. Well, we look forward to hearing more. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, episode one with Tony Taverna. Stay tuned for more. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Maybe it's not too late to heal yourself from anything. Uh, what you guys think about Tony Taverna? It blew my mind, and I had already talked to him about this stuff. I hope, uh, I'm sorry to cut it off short, but you know we're trying to keep these things to around an hour, so they're not too long, but I hope it left you wanting more because uh, we've already got two other episodes with Tony planned. We don't know when they're going to be, but we want to do a whole episode on intermittent fasting because it is a big buzzword. But as you heard, he's been doing it for eight years. And I swear, I've tried all kinds of different things. And I think everybody's different. So we should all try our different diets. Lately, I've been doing this intermittent fasting thing, not by anybody else's direction, just my own thing. Like, oh, let me not eat anything for the next 12 hours, including nighttime, right? And I tell you, I feel a lot better and I'm losing weight more and uh, I just have better energy. So there's that. And then there's also a thing that he's really into about peptides. Um, and that's become big. That's a little bit of a buzz thing, too. People are putting them in their smoothies. I do it now. Uh, after My mom has it. And uh, after talking to Tony a couple weeks ago, I've been putting peptides in my smoothie every day. Uh, I don't know if those that's the right thing or not. He's looking at me now. I'm not, I'm not sure. But we'll do a whole episode on peptides. Uh, there's some really out there interesting stuff that he shared with us off air. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I loved it. Uh, again, and also, we're, I'm trying to, right before I started recording this outro, I'm trying to convince him to come on Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and friends. He's got a character, an alter ego he's been playing for years called Guy, who's like an old school Bobby character. So I think we should have some adventures of old school Bobby and Guy, uh, maybe going to a meditation class. Uh, so anyway... Episode one of Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends is coming up real soon, hopefully by next week, uh, the last week of February, certainly by the beginning of March. In the meantime, you can go to the GoFundMe page and support me and us so that we can keep making this. Uh, we are always looking for sponsors on the podcast. We don't have one right now. So if you're out there listening and you want to sponsor, you can email me at info at <clears throat> Excuse me. Upcoming appearances again, Sunday, March 1st. I'll be at the National Golf Expo at the Seaport World Trade Center, Boston, with Hardy from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, you know him from the Zolak and Bertrand show, and you golfers know him from the Sports Hub Golf Club. He's a big Zelosophy on Golf fan, so we're going to talk about that. Sign some books. March 28th, I'm going to be in Nashville doing that talk, Zelosophy on Harmony, using examples of musical harmony and disharmony to teach people and teach us all how we can maybe build a harmonious society one day. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, so stay tuned for that if you're in Nashville. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Julie Manugian. She's here doing double duty, working on her laptop, producing the show, and then we just talk for about 20, 30 minutes after the show. She's fascinated by Tony and wants to learn more about what he knows. So thanks, Julie. Uh, the podcast studio, as always, is courtesy of Lex Media. The theme song that you love so much is Surf by Captain Blackheart. My good friends Dino and Irwin. Irwin's in Nashville. Irwin, I'm coming for you soon, buddy. 
Uh, you can find Captain Blackheart on iTunes and Spotify. To find more, uh, find out more about me and Zelosophy, visit zelosophy.org. You can email me with any questions or comments or suggested topics or to tell me I'm crazy at info at zelosophy.org. You can tell me anything. If I don't like it, I just won't respond. Um, <laughs> Zelosophy on Golf is available on Amazon and paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. It's a great gift for the golfer or amateur philosopher in your life. Stay tuned for more great episodes on the Zelosophy podcast. Please tune in to Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and friends. That's it for now, guys. I'm Z, and you're welcome. <laughs>